Here we go, spring of 2021. This is the 1080 Outdoors Podcast Land Management Series, where our main focus is pursuing the truth for everyday hunters like you. I wouldn't say it's kind of an FU, it's definitely an FU. Chronicle and document how our season's going and give you real-time updates, overall land management practices. You have to find a way to hunt big buck where they are. Welcome to the 1080 Outdoors podcast and welcome to a new year. Today I speak with a tax professional. Uh, His name is Gabe Chotzen, one of my best buddies from high school and we go into the tax benefits and the different strategies that people use when acquiring real estate and how that can translate over into farmland, hunting land, recreational properties, all that good stuff. So before you shut this episode off, because you just heard we're going to discuss tax stuff, um, please don't. Take some time, listen to the episode. I think this stuff is really important. Um, a lot of times when people are buying real estate or trying to wrap their mind around how they would buy real estate, um, another thing that comes up a lot is taxes, whether it's capital gains, whether it's buying, what you can depreciate, what to do with you know the cash that you're putting in towards some real estate. We cover all of those things. We also talk about how um, old farmsteads and farm locations are advantageous in a, in a way and how um, these tax laws are set up for people to be rewarded in taking risks. So um, I think it's important to listen to. We'll get back into the um, you know the list that we've been going over the last couple of weeks with acquiring real estate. This is kind of an important little detour, and it was a good conversation between Gabe and I. So um, won't waste too much of your time, and we'll get right into the episode. And make sure you like and subscribe and 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 support the podcast if you're gaining any type of knowledge in this and as always if you're interested in buying or selling real estate in the driftless region you can reach out to me at taylor at 1080outdoors.com or 608-606-9118 all right i'll kick it over to the conversation with gabe so gabe chotzen has joined me the tax the tax man tax man so we talk about uh when we buy land or if you're selling land and a big part of real estate benefits is through some tax tax benefits that I think I said in the last podcast gets people like Donald Trump to, to pay no taxes in a year because the, there's a lot of upper echelon people or groups of people that essentially use and leverage real estate as a way to not pay much in taxes on paper yeah i think yeah it's uh so it's something that i kind of like to work through because i think it's 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 a knowledge that people should have because there are laws that are set up for people to get wealthy on and i mean if you don't want to participate in it at all i mean that's that's your prerogative but i think it's good for people to to learn about these things and kind of get on a level playing field with like other people yeah i agree with that i think so with taxes and tax law in general it's it's basically just the government sort of encourage encouraging people to act in a specific way so with real estate like the reason there are so many 
tax incentives and benefits for real estate investing is because the government has shown not to have been good at providing public housing and public um, public real estate investment. And so it's sort of the government's way of encouraging the private sector to create the the residential housing, to create yeah. commercial rental spaces. So they, they offer these incentives and then people are then encouraged to, to get into real estate investing. So that's like, it's not a loophole. It's, it's a, it's a very much, it's a capitalistic, uh, like standard set in the, yeah, there are laws. laws. They're specifically designed for people to do exactly what they're doing. And people, um, get wealthy off them because, um, they're, they're followed. It's sort of a blueprint of how the government wants you to act as it relates to certain things. And so if you follow that, like you get tax benefits and that's, that's the, the case for a lot of things like farming and and we need food so there are incentives for people to grow food and farm um, and countless other sort of industries there are incentives that to encourage people to uh, pursue those ventures so it's essentially like a system to operate society like if you want to provide housing you get breaks on other things you want to provide food you don't have to, you know, you get breaks on certain things in a way. Exactly. Um, the, the tone that I was like saying that in where it's like there's like these big bad guys that are wealthy taking advantage of these systems is essentially the mirror of what people think of them. Like they think that someone who doesn't pay taxes is like this evil person. Yeah. In a way. Um, but like maybe explain how like even though even they are because of the because of the money and the the business that they're creating, they're always paying taxes in some way. Yeah. Like Like a wealthy person buying stuff is paying taxes. So somebody like Donald Trump or something, um, who has established a massive wealth empire. Like it's, it is possible that he isn't actually paying on a year to year basis, like income tax on, income because there's there's a difference between like the amount of wealth you're acquiring and like your income so your wealth would be like i purchased a house that house went up in value 10 percent this year i'm not paying tax on that increase i am simply like it's adding to my wealth but if i go out and get a job and i earn fifty thousand, that's all taxable income in the given year Mm -hmm. so and this this was like with jeff bezos jeff bezos too like there were reports that he was paying 0.9% tax on his income. But what they were failing to include is like Amazon stock increased whatever fold and he didn't sell it. That's just an unrealized yeah. increase in wealth. It's a, mis- it's a misunderstanding between what net worth is and what even like taxable income is. Exactly. Yeah. There's a, there's a, so there, it was kind of, it was just a, a way to it, like nobody pays tax on their unrealized wealth. Like nobody does. So, it was it was sort of a a biased way of like saying Jeff Bezos is cheating the government where which like he may be in other sense there are schemes and different things people do to to not pay taxes but in that pr- particular situation where the reports were saying like he's he's paying 0.9% yeah. like that's like that's him personally not, that's not, not yeah. a fair assessment of what's going on in my opinion no and it's and I, like what i was saying too is all the taxes that are being paid like they have employees they pay payroll tax they play yeah, you know him being so wealthy, the amount of money he spends, that money gets taxed. Like the their that money, like they're going to get it. They don't they don't just let money flow without being taxed. Like it just doesn't. That is not how, especially yeah. with everything being online now. 
exactly they're paying like little sales tax like you could argue tax. it back in the day when like someone would just hand cash and you just transfer cash around maybe that it was like things weren't being taxed but just that's not how things work anymore yeah like I a mean, wealthy every, person everything is digitally like yeah like, so now. a wealthy person no matter what maybe they they don't pay taxes the same way that's like someone else who has a normal w-2 job does but they're paying taxes you know they're they're buying goods and services and that's taxed and yeah they, all of that they're, they're not necessarily paying income tax like you said but they are yes. like their business is paying um if anybody they employ they're paying um self-employment or not self-employment payroll taxes on that so they're uh, yeah which is an absurd amount of money yeah which is like seven percent of basically all of their wages will go towards the social security fund that is then funding people who are retired um so the employee pays half and the employer pays the other half so that's that's a tax that every employer pays it's an expense to, to their business but it's a tax they pay any like um the business of amazon like anytime amazon has a profit they're paying tax of 21 percent on on that profit they've had losses that they because they kind of in their i don't know we're kind of on the amazon train but like in their initial 10 years of work they were just expand expanding ex, and expanding putting everything that the, the the business generated into back into the business to keep growing and growing mm-hmm. so what that did was create losses that then carry forward and so now that they're a, a very profitable company those losses get to be used up so there were kind of reports that that Amazon wasn't paying tax on their profits. Well, that was because they had all these losses that have, have been carried forward. So there, there's kind of when you hear the, it's like somebody, you, anyone that's listening to this probably knows of a person that was like, I'm gonna buy a, I'm gonna buy a truck, don't want to pay taxes on them. It's like people buy things to avoid being taxed on stuff. Yeah, and what, like in that situation, if if you're buying an asset for your business because you want to reduce your income. Yeah. Like you said, you're paying sales tax on that truck, but then ultimately you get an expense in your business for the purchase of the truck through depreciation. And then if you would ever trade in the truck or sell the truck, then you pay income. Can, on let's that. talk. I, I've been trying to work through this. As, um, it's actually a kind of a miss. It's kind of like a misguided strategy. Like for like, like a farmer who makes a profit goes and buys a new really expensive piece of machinery. Yeah. Isn't that like, isn't it kind of like misguided or like, like short term thinking in a way? Uh, what I would always say is you, you never want to buy something specifically for the tax deduction that you'll get. If it's something that you need in your business, then it, it's a worthwhile purchase and you get a tax deduction. But if, if, if you're humming along fine and you say, you have you're, you're generating let's say you have a hundred thousand dollars of profit and you say i don't want to pay this taxes i'm going to go spend a hundred thousand on a, a truck that i don't necessarily need to wipe out all my profit now i have this truck and maybe a loan on the truck i have no taxable income but i also now have a hundred thousand less in my bank because i own this asset that i don't really need whereas if i had just left the one hundred thousand dollars as profit and paid the 30 or so, so thousand in taxes then I have seventy thousand where I, that I can use to to do what I need with. So and that's like free forever, essentially. Exactly. Unless whenever you purchase it's something, it's after tax. So it's. I think the saying is like you don't want to let the tax tail wag the dog or something. I might have that messed up, but basically you don't want to make decisions specifically. Like you want to to make 
asset purchases and decisions for your business that are ultimately best for your business, not that are ultimately best for taxes. Yeah. And you, you, sometimes those can be can work in harmony, but your business success should be the first goal. Because and, because no matter what, you number one, those cash reserves are important because you're not most likely not ever gonna you're not always gonna just have free sailing. Oh, for sure. <laughs> like you're gonna yeah. have backwards years, and now those cash reserves are there you know yeah you, but you, paying taxes and and having profit and, and putting investing in the health of your business by having extra liquidity which is like cash and and assets that are um yeah it's it's, it's, it's where you truly to, get good leverage to to make exactly that's how you build up, generate wealth build up your wealth not not through just wiping out all your taxable income every year yeah so um, that's why essentially like i think people get i think there's some of that going on sometimes yeah, I people think. get trapped in that because it's a, it's kind of a, it's just a short-term thought, and it's unfor. It, it, you're just better off probably getting to the point where it's like you live in a society that has laws, rules. It's generally, you know, for the most part, functions all right. And I can get behind anyone saying it kind of makes you sick watching some of the ways that the government spends money, <laughs> yeah. but it's just the way like. Think of life as a game. It's a game. Okay, there's some dumb parts of rules of games. Yeah. There's is. Yeah, taxes are very much a necessary part of the way society. Like, yeah, we and you could argue, society. like, should there – yeah, and there's probably better ways to run things, but that's a tall order to try to, you know, run society. Yeah, <laughs> To try sure. to figure that out. And, I mean, yeah, there, the reason, like I said earlier, there are laws that, like, different different career paths have different maybe tax incentives – but then you're sort of providing to society what society needs and you're getting therefore a tax benefit for it. Whereas if you're just sort of an employee working for somebody, you're then paying into, you're paying more in taxes because you are trying to, because you're not providing anything for society. So you have, everyone's well, sort of contributing. Easy you, man. Yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm saying not, not that you're not providing anything for society, but you're, you're nothing that society deems as like, like you're not taking any risk for society. You're not taking any risk, and you're they, not you're like getting rewarded there are certain like fundamental things that we need as a society to to function, and maybe you're not meeting those fundamental needs as much as somebody who's. Um, yeah, they do. Re they reward capitalism. So like yeah. they reward the risk taking. It's does it creates to like create a business. So like someone that has employees and is employing them on their personal liability. They reward, and even if it's not their personal liability, it's just the people, you know, they look at the people who are taking risks, and that's why, you know, there's capitalism rooted into society, yeah. which is, I think, a good thing. Yeah, I agree. Because it, that, I, you know, I mean, it forces every, innovation. and Every system has its flaws, but I think, I think we're, we have. Yeah, but then there's, then there's the flip side where it's like, if you don't become educated on it or hire people who are, I mean, you just allow, allow, essentially, taxing to happen to you. You know, that's not necessarily the good thing either. Like, you need to no, be aware I, of it. You have and, to be aware of it. I think you have to, like, place an importance on it and plan for it. Because there are, there's definitely more and less optimal ways to go about things from a tax perspective. And if you have the knowledge or if you're working with somebody who has that knowledge, like, you're, you're going to want to to go about things in, in a tax optimal way um that's not going to always mean wiping out all your taxable income or whatever but it, yeah it's important to be aware of and 
there are legal ways in the system to it's probably more like people are spending money on things that they could put into tax breaks and they don't realize it what do you mean like if someone you know say you make that hundred thousand and you get taxed on yeah and you don't put any expenses in there's a guy who's made a hundred thousand like subcontracted employees probably do that it's quite a that's a big thing like just just being disorganized with with your business and not knowing what you're spending money on so you're you're you have valid business expenses that you're you're maybe right. not deducting because yeah. you just aren't like aware. like they don't know that they can deduct like a certain square footage and a certain amount from like exactly. a home office. Exactly. So yeah. what it's saying is, you know, a hundred thousand of income. It's really less, more like you know, and then you get taxed on thirty thousand. Well, there's life expenses that you have to live your life. Yeah. And some of those can be wrapped up into business. Like it's just even like valid business expenses that like if you're if you're not kind of if you aren't organized with your record keeping things get overlooked and you just don't deduct expenses that you've paid for and they're valid business expenses but since you didn't remember yeah. you bought gas for forty dollars that that doesn't come off as an expense because you didn't record it anywhere and you forgot about it or whatever that can happen too so i think being organized but like you said and then knowing about knowing how to use the for small business owners especially like there are quite a few ways that you can get an expense for costs that you would incur kind of with or without your business um to an extent so kind of knowing so those when you um when you look at real estate let's wrap back up into that yeah what is the like when people say it's an advantageous place to help you with taxes yeah in a way what is the reasoning would you say because of the like, well, what's the reasoning people are acquiring real estate to help with their taxes? Yeah. So I think there's a, a kind of a multitude of reasons. One, I'll just go through them. So the first reason, so like rental real estate, rental income is not subject to self-employment tax. So mm-hmm. when you, as a, as a business, say you, if you're just a, a regular self-employed person who does, say, you lay concrete or something like that, you're paying income tax as well as self-employment tax. And your self-employment tax is what ultimately calculates your Social Security payout down the road, but it's it's a pretty bad investment. Like, you're, you're better off, if you could just set aside the money that you are paying in self-employment tax and invest it elsewhere, like, you're much better off doing that. So rental income, one big thing is rental income is not subject to self-employment tax. Um, another big part of real estate is the depreciation that you can take on your building so even on, on like the property so say you buy a, a residential rental that's actually appreciating in value it's increasing in value based on market which um for the past however many years has been the case so you're increasing the actual value but you're able to take a tax deduction called depreciation which is offsets your income it's not a cash expense to you it's just it's more of like a it's a paper expense like a, a um, an allocation of the building that you can you can offset your income with so you can kind of create a tax a lot of times rental real estate creates a taxable loss because you have this allocation of depreciation but you're generating a positive cash flow yeah so like say for simple math terms say you had a thousand dollars that you would invest somewhere thousand dollars profit in your life in a way, and this could be W two employees too. 
um, you could put that thousand dollars into a payment to real estate. The depreciation will wipe that thousand dollars off your tax liability, but the income from say that residential place or that that real estate doesn't get taxed the same way that your normal income from a job does. So you're yeah. moving, so you essentially take a stream of income, put it into a more advantageous system of making money, and your liability on a tax scale is different. Because it's, like yeah. it's like you're taking that $1,000, let's say you made $1,000 extra at your job that you were like putting in a savings account or piggy bank or something, and you put that into like a house, a payment or like, and you, and you, and you, uh, and you lend or you, and you get a mortgage for it. And like it just happens that a thousand dollars is like similar to what your mortgage payment is. Well, the depreciation scale of the, of the building or property wipes that a thousand dollars off. Yeah. Or let's, so let's just say, say you bought a house. It's a residential house for a hundred <clears> or yeah, let's say a hundred thousand dollars. Um, let's say a residential house on land on land. For a hundred thousand dollars, so, so land, the value the value of the house a hundred thousand. Say they bought okay. it for like one fifty or something. So one fifty, the house is worth one hundred because land is not you're not eligible to depreciate land. Yeah, so then we just, need to get into that. Yeah, we'll get into that. But so so you have a property worth one hundred fifty thousand, the house worth a hundred thousand. It's a residential property, so the the IRS says you you're allowed to depreciate your house over twenty seven and a half years. So you take 100,000, you divide that by 27.5. But you can choose that scale, right? It, no, that's a fixed year. That's an IRS-defined uh, depreciation. So res, or houses that's, are going to be 27.5 scheduled no matter what. Yep, and commercial is 39. And then oh, yeah. equipment and all that other stuff is, is different. That gets um, – there are a, a, a lot of different – like depreciation itself can get pretty complicated. But, yeah, so a house – Let's just say we'll, we'll divide basically by three. So each year you get a little more than three. You get like um, um, like almost $4,000 a year that you can expense against your rental income. So then let's say that you were renting that house to somebody for 1000 a month. So you have $12,000 of rental income. You mm -hmm. have, say, real estate taxes of 5000 So that gets our um, our net profit to 7,000. Then let's say we're paying mortgage interest of 3,000 and our supplies are 2,000. So we have $12,000 of income and we have real estate tax of 5,000, supplies and mortgage interest of 5,000. So a profit of 2,000, right? Yep. But then we get to deduct our depreciation, which is 4,000. So we actually have a, a tax loss of 2,000. But you put $2,000 in your pocket. But we had $2,000 of positive cash flow. Yeah, so that's, and you can what a beautiful of, thing! That's the so it's a two thousand dollar loss, and say you're a W two employee, you would be rewarded on that two thousand dollar loss by not being taxed as much on the income that you have. Yeah, and generally you're able to deduct depending in deducting those losses is dependent on like a, a variety of situations, but mostly your income. So if you have sometimes those losses can get phased out, and if they get phased out, um, you can use them if you generate income or when you sell the property but yeah basically either way you still have two thousand dollars of cash in your pocket that you're not paying taxes on um, and sometimes you actually have a loss that you can offset your other income with um, and then ultimately when you sell that property this kind of gets us into the concept of tax basis 
I don't know. Um, it's kind of a, it, it makes sense when you sort of understand it, but so your tax basis in the property is the amount you paid for it. So we paid a hundred thousand, we paid 150,000 for the house, for the property, a hundred thousand yep. for the house. So that's our initial tax basis. And then you subtract from that, the depreciation allocation that you've taken over the years. So if you were to have it for 27 and a half years, your, um, you would be at zero. Yep. Your tax basis would be zero. Um, but you get to add anything that you put into the house for like improvements that, that increases your tax basis. Mm -hmm. But like assuming we don't do that. So we own the house for 27 and a half years. We take our under slightly under $4,000 expense every year for 27 and a half years. So our tax basis is zero. And then let's say the house is actually now worth 300,000. So when we sell that house, we're paying income. We pay capital gains tax and there's a special sort of depreciation recapture thing, which um, I don't know, it's not super relevant, but basically we're, we now have $300,000 of income. And then this brings us to our kind of another sort of incentive for real estate investor tax incentive for real estate investors is if they want to continue being real estate investors so without continuing though yeah that 300,000 oh, would be capital that would be taxed that we yes. pay tax on in the year we so someone be like well i i bought it for 100,000 why am i getting taxed on 300,000 it's like well you depreciated that value out exactly you got a tax benefit over the 27 years for that 100,000 yeah. and like we came back to they're coming to get it they get it at they some point they get it eventually yep exactly. maybe real estate's the only option that's what we get into yeah there so that brings us into <clears throat> the the 1031 exchange um, so what what would what would that fifty thousand of land look like in that situation? The fifty thousand of land that's going to still be your basis in the land. So really? like if you so sold that's... the whole property for three hundred thousand, you still have that fifty thousand. So your gains really two hundred fifty thousand. I guess oh, I, was, I was saying oh. the house was worth. So it really is like it's a short term like the a building and houses are short term advantages. That makes that makes a lot of sense, but land you don't get those short term kind of depreciations. But, but, but when you sell it, which lends me to think that we should do more of you know the buying and flipping of land then, because it's it's almost set up better for that. Well, I mean, it, so the buying and flipping, that's kind of another thing. But like, what about the income that comes off the land? That get does that get? Um, that's capital gain treatment. So. Um, so that someone rents that rents that fifty thousand dollar property, say it's f ten acres, yep. and they rent the, that ten acres every year, and they make a thousand bucks on it. Yep. That's just that's that's regular rental income from the land that's not subject to self employment tax, similar to rental income from a house. Um, but you're not gonna. Rarely are you able to create like a cash flow. You, yeah. Yeah. You're never gonna have a, a loss on your land that's not also a cash flow loss because yeah. depreciation doesn't exist. Um, and one other like concept so with like tax law basically your bet tax planning a lot of tax planning resolves revolves around deferring your income to future years and accelerating your expenses basically because of the idea that the time value of money a dollar now in my pocket by saving taxes is worth more than yes. a dollar down the road where i have to then pay back that income in taxes um so that's sort of the idea of depreciation i'm getting the expense now with the idea that I'm going to pay a higher gain down the road. Mm -hmm. um, but then like we were talking about the next brings us kind of to the 1031 exchange. 
which is if, if you sell a property but continue to be a real estate investor and want to use the money that you sold that property for to put into a new property. So we sold the property for 300000 we sold the property for three hundred thousand under normal circumstances. We have the fifty thousand dollars of right. land. Basis. So you have two hundred and fifty up for tax for capital gains. Exactly. Which would be how much? Depending on your other income. Just just say, just strictly, this is its own thing. Let's say twenty five percent. So that would be capital gains is twenty five percent right now. Federal and state, and like depreciation recapture. No, capital gains is up to twenty three point eight expense percent basically. Let's just assume that we're paying twenty five percent for it. Okay. An easy um, easy math on two fifty, so on two fifty so seventy five thousand. Seventy five thousand dollars. Um is that more than that, right? No. I don't know. Seventy yeah, yeah. Seventy five or less than that. I don't know, whatever. Yeah, it'd be like sixty sixty um ten percent. Of two hundred fifty thousand, twenty-five thousand. Multiply that by two and a half. <laughs> we get <laughs> we get to sixty-two thousand fifty. Yeah, yeah. Something I see. Like I knew it was a middle number. I <laughs> yeah, knew it was a middle thing. Okay, so our 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 taxes that so that would be so we have three hundred thousand dollars. So you would essentially lose sixty-two thousand. Lost sixty-two thousand dollars of cash. Yes. That we then so now we can still go invest property with. Okay, our, so now let's let's say we're taking that three hundred thousand. We or actually, fifty thousand that you can pocket, because that's not subject well, we, to tax. We got three hundred thousand, right? Right, and but fifty of it, two fifty is only subject to capital gains. Yeah, which was the sixty-two thousand fifty. Right. So we have. I know, but so at fifty thousand, do you can you pocket that then? You can and just roll forward two fifty, yeah, or do you yeah. have to roll forward at all. So you have to. Um, let's back up one sec. So, so the three hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> yes. Let's just assume we're not we're not gonna do the the roll into a new property. We're just gonna take our money. Just take it. To yes. Pay the taxes, then buy a new property. Right. So basically, we have three hundred thousand dollars in cash from the sale. We then pay sixty two thousand because of the two fifty. Because of the two hundred fifty thousand dollars in gain, we're paying sixty two thousand in taxes. So that brings us down to two hundred thirty. Seven thousand five hundred, I think. Profit all in it or when it's all said and done. So that's how much cash that we can then go invest in a new property. Um, so then, instead, the, the tax law allows for what's called ten thirty one exchange, which allows you to defer the tax, the payment of that tax. Because basically, when it's all said and done, we're we don't really have the cash to pay it. We're, we're buying a building, or we're selling a building, and we're buying a building so really we're not going to when it's all said and done have any cash to pay taxes so they allow you to do to essentially roll your gain into a new property and so let's let's say we go buy so my question was yeah what can you roll into it so in order to defer the entire you can roll whatever amount in but you might have to pay some taxes yes in order to defer the entire amount of the gain the property that you're generally the property that you're buying has to be of equal or greater value yeah. than the property you're selling because you're not allowed to you're basically not allowed to get any cash after the when all is said and done if you if you get cash then you're gonna have to pay some gain so if you were to take the so like what my question was is because 250 is liable for capital gains tax yeah you can't just take 50 out then so if I no, if I brought a because if that fifty got taken out, then it would be just it would be like like you'd get taxed on on fifty thousand right fifty thousand yeah, exactly 
Yeah. Like if I if I sold a property for three hundred thousand and bought a property for two hundred fifty thousand, I'm still gonna pay tax on fifty thousand. Okay. So say let so we're rolling three hundred thousand forward to buy a new property. Yep. So say we buy a property that's three hundred thousand dollars and it's just land. If it's just land. And and so you owe nothing. You owe nothing. And then we have to calculate our base, our tax basis in that new property, which is three hundred thousand. No, because we oh, it'll be six hundred thousand. No, the tax base in the new property is what you paid for minus whatever gain you deferred. Mm. So we deferred a gain of two hundred fifty thousand. So our tax basis in the new property is still fifty thousand. Okay. So if you then sold that, then you have to pay a tax. Yep. So it's just pushing, kicking the can down the road. It's not. We're not evading any taxes. We're just deferring them. Right. Um, but say you have a um, some sort of a whatever you're going to do to make that money. Let's say, let's say that money you're going to, you're going to make whatever. Say you had a night thing that would made a hundred thousand dollars a year on that land that you just bought. Yeah. Yeah. So that income then would not be self-employed tax. No. So it'd be less tax than say a different way that you made a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. If you made a hundred in some as through a business, that's different than making it through rental income of, and if there was houses on it in that situation, you know, that's where it comes into like you depreciate yep. even more than base yeah. And and what the what it did deferring that sixty two thousand dollars of taxes, what that allowed us to do was basically a scale up our property at Yeah, a much the operation of whatever rate. you had yeah. going on. Like if, if the idea is that you need twenty percent down, like we have we can afford a, a, a property of higher value now because we have twenty. We have that sixty-two thousand, yeah. which divide, divided by twenty percent is whatever. So basically, we can afford a property that's worth five times more than the sixty thousand. I think a lot of people, you know, may be a little bit <clears throat> confused, and I'm not. I'm kind of confused too. But the more that you hear like things and terms and people talk like about this stuff the more uh, when the yeah, time exactly. comes, you're going to understand. And being aware that it exists is like, you don't necessarily have to be able to. It's no like get rich people. quick scheme. It's not a get rich. It's quick, like no. a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a very long-term wealth building yeah. scheme. And then. Um, so, so we still have $67,000 in limbo or no 200. Yeah. Six fifty two hundred fifty thousand $250,000. That's waiting to get taxed. Yep. So exactly. that property $300,000 property that we bought. Let's say we don't make it. We tragically die in some type of a crash. Um, but you have, let's, let's talk about then what happens. So tragically dying. Well, is like actually the best thing that can happen from a tax <laughs> perspective. <laughs> That's why people get killed. Like, so when I say you so kick, kids kill you their kick, parents. Yeah. I don't know. Hopefully not. But, when you when I say you kick the can down the road, but eventually you have to pay the taxes, that's true in every sense except if you die. If you die, you ev all of the property that you own is increased. Their tax basis is increased to whatever the fair market value is, and that that becomes the tax basis for your heirs going forward. And you don't pay taxes. Well, it doesn't even have to be your kids then. It could be whoever you name the property to. Oh, yep. Anybody. I didn't know that. I thought I had to be like a property. kid. No, that's cool. That is interesting. So like if if you passed it to whomever that's that property is now they hold that property as a three hundred thousand dollar tax basis they can then redepreciate whatever the assets are on the property 
can't take can't depreciate land but like if there was a building they start depreciating yeah. that it's it's a huge um so like a lot of big time real estate investors i mean they're they're going to be paying some taxes throughout their life when they actually sell because they need they'll, they'll likely sell some properties and take yeah the cash. you want to yeah you want to cash moving a lot of times they just kind of continue to defer the defer 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 and then die and pass that wealth on to their kids and the taxes then evaporate yeah um, gener- that's the, probably the, the, whenever you hear anyone go like how does generational wealth created they'll usually point to real estate a lot, yeah i think real estate yeah it can happen in others a lot of other ways but right. real estate's a big a big way that wealth is acquired um and passed along to to heirs and stuff so and and inheritance tax is a big thing that people talk about now because of like people being concerned of you know big farms being passed on to the next generation and then those guys getting hit with taxes what's your take on inheritance tax so yeah and the estate tax is a tax on and with farms it's it, there are exceptions and stuff but if if say when i die I, the total amount of assets that i own my house my car my anything i own my all my real estate apartment properties um if that's valued at more than the current estate exemption which is 11 million then i pay tax of 40 percent of that excess that just goes to the government it's not an income tax it's just an amount that gets basically the government is is saying you amassed this amount of wealth we don't think we think that's too much to just pass along we're going to take 40 percent and there are a lot of different ways that people avoid that through setting up trust, through gifting, through all kinds. And what's of the min- what, what what's the amount that the current amount for a person is eleven million? But if you're married and you die, like you can do an election. So if someone were to pass on ten million dollars, it would not get inherited. They would not have no. It. Yep, there would be no. I could no see, I guess, tax. where there's some farms. So yeah, that's that even seems like a. Like, I'm sure there's farms that are worth more than eleven million, but. It's a very, they, they recently increased, it used to be 5 million and then oh. Trump increased it to 11. Oh, that, so, well, that's a, so that's a million, giant difference. 5 million, I could see way more. 5 million, it, it came into play a lot for, for a lot more people. Um, so it's kind of been for, for 99.99% of, of people, 11 million is not something that is very, it's not impacting a lot of people right. with the exception of the ultra rich. Um, but 5 million yeah there are farms i could see a lot i could see farms even in this area having problems with and, that. and there are specific Absolutely. rules 11 million it'd be pretty low like they're not many <laughs> that's big yeah yeah that's but five big. million is definitely reasonable spent and that was one thing they were talking biden was talking about reducing sending it which, back to which five is now um no longer being talked about so it's you, you kind of are at the whims of congress in that sense where like a change like that has a can have a huge impact on the estate planning and stuff. And well, farmers have been imagine built. if you had built a wealth built a wealth of ten million and then died in twenty sixteen before it changed. Like you're paying you're, they would have paid four four if you died. A two and think, if that's real estate, it's not like you have ten million dollars cash laying around. Exactly, that's a huge problem. With like you don't have yeah. If, if all of your assets are tied up in yeah, you have to you sell, have them. sell them. Or you have to go get a loan and take it out against probably exactly. the other pieces. Yep, exactly. And, like, any loans you had against the property, would, that's 
your estate is reduced by like your liability. So if I had a house worth five hundred thousand that I own right. two hundred thousand, like I only put three hundred. Yeah, we're speaking in terms like everything's free and clear. Exactly. But like you said, that if somebody dies with a estate of full of assets that aren't cash, like you have to figure out how to pay the IRS, and you do that through selling or through taking out a loan, or like you said. Um, and but farms have a specific. There are rules for farmers and I actually am not super versed in them but I know there are rules for farms that are over the estate limit that are being passed along that that are uh, that avoid basically defer that tax and avoid it um, yeah. what are some um, what are some of like the small farm type like say someone buys a hunting property and they rig up a you know a small little homestead operation yeah what are the tax benefits and something like that so with with farm technically anytime you have a like a business operation including a farm that's like sort of more of a hobby than a farm the irs has classified those specifically as hobbies and basically say you're not allowed to deduct the expenses against they don't want you creating a loss for, from like like, your a, ho- like a horse something. a horse farmer Exactly. That just has horses. Exactly. And yeah. trying to write off all the expenses against their regular, say they're a day trade or something, and they're trying to write off all those expenses against that. The IRS says, no, that's not allowed, which is um, – so if you – if but if you have, like, a legitimate farm and you treat it as a business, you're trying to be profitable, um, that's – it doesn't matter that you're also – you also work as a insurance agent or whatever you do. If you have a farm operation that you treat as a business, you can, if, if it does create a loss, you can write that off against your, your other income. Mm-hmm. And like farming, one of the things with farming, like if you, farm buildings have a, a much more um, advantageous depreciable period than like a residential property. Like a farm building, if it's just like a barn, a general purpose farm building, that's 20 year depreciable life, but you can also take bonus depreciation, which sometimes is as much as a hundred percent in the year. So like if I bought a property that had a barn on it that I valued at 30,000 and I could take that entire 30,000 expense in year one, the year I bought it. Um, if, if that was sort of a tax advantageous move to do, which if you brought $30,000 cash, that hadn't been taxed yet. Say that again. Say like you brought thirty thousand dollars cash and to buy that property. Yeah. That cash had not been taxed yet. Say like you had thirty thousand that you made as a subcontractor that hadn't been taxed yet. Yeah, you could offset that. You buy say you use that as a down payment for the property with those buildings, it's advantageous because then you can you can kind of cancel that. Exactly. So you could like It's say, a way to put money that hasn't been taxed into real estate in a sense. Yeah, so if I say I have a job as a subcontractor where I had a hundred thousand dollars of income for the year before the end of the year then I bought a farm and I was going to kind of operate a farm while I was a so that is the only thing you can do that on is farm outbuildings farm outbuildings yeah there's like a single purpose is 10 years and multi-purpose is 20 years but you You can can take it all you can take it all through bonus my god dude that's a huge thing yeah because I kept figuring I'm like how the hell are you going to bring say like 20% down like that's gonna suck because it has to be after tax money it'd be nice if you could roll something in uh, like say you made a 
say a subcontractor, like a concrete guy, had a good month. Yeah. Made twenty five grand. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you could you could get taxed what, forty percent of that twenty five grand? Pretty much, yeah. Or you roll it into a down payment for a piece of real estate that say cash flows at fifteen hundred bucks a month. Yeah. And de- everything depreciates, but you can you can hit that one initial cash investment and not get taxed on it either with those buildings. If you yeah, for farms. So say say like like the place that we're sitting in now, like my farm. Yeah. There's two houses and there's a bunch of outbuildings. Yeah. Theoretically I could have brought a bunch of cash, knocked the tax liability off by depreciating all the outbuildings right away, live and then make money off the houses, you know, as a cash flow and then yeah. that, that that would be wiped out by depreciation. Yep. So you'd take the twenty five thousand you made that you would have got forty percent taxed on put it into a piece of real estate and you're making say like whatever thousand bucks a month off of it cash flow and but your depreciation scale is wiping that clean so over time yeah so when you bought this property like say you whatever you paid for it that should have been allocated between land the two right. houses yeah you had to go each literally each building you had to give a dollar amount. yeah so whatever dollar yeah. amount that building is valued at that's the amount for like for the farm, for the uh, the barn, and we didn't we depreciated it at like different scales because we financed it. It wasn't there wasn't a bunch of cash brought, so like I had no reason not to. And because you want more depreciation over time, because that's you're gonna be paying cool, over time. Cool thing about um, like real estate is you you could finance the entire thing, but you technically own it from the IRS perspective. So I could put if if it was allowed, I could put zero cash down have a loan for the entire amount, but get an expense for the entire depreciation, even though I don't technically, yeah. I didn't pay for anything. I, I financed it all. Um, but that, you wouldn't, but yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of another Wait. aspect of real estate. That's, so you would depreciate, you could, but only the outbuildings. You can only depreciate the outbuildings. Like if you take a hundred grand in cash and buy vacant land, then you're, I yeah. mean, that hundred grand has to get taxed first before you go buy it. Yeah. You're not going to yeah. get an expense for the, the vacant land, but, I think that's go back to your very original. So really, you'd have you'd have in that in our situation where we're saying, say you have a hundred thousand dollars of cash that you want to buy a piece of real estate. If you buy just vacant land, it's really you have seventy thousand dollars cash or sixty thousand dollars cash to buy. If it's yeah, if that's pre-tax money. If you weren't doing yeah, if you weren't yeah. pre-tax, but if there's say, um, say it was a. $300,000 property and you put $100,000 down and you were able to depreciate $100,000 worth of outbuildings. Yep. You have no tax on your other income. Yeah. Yeah. And then say that place makes you money. You're depre- what? Yeah. That's yeah. I it's just, nice. What I guess what I'm trying to work around is, um, it's advantageous. The farming side is at gets, gets advantageous, especially when you add residential buildings on the land, but there's still, advantages just vacant land because like you said like you're just it's more of a long-term approach where you're not taking short-term depreciation yeah vacant land you can still do like the 1031 exchange with Um, right and so you any any like if you buy a piece of vacant land that appreciation value it's basically like any other investment where um i mean you could still rent it out and stuff and that would be rental income which is not subject to which is not which is how much is 15 point three percent so that's yeah. a huge saving so a hundred thousand dollars you have an extra fifteen thousand dollars in your pocket yeah exactly um if yeah and just jumping back quickly so like with real estate i wanted to just emphasize the point that you don't have to you get depreciation on the buildings regardless of if you own them clear free and clear or, yeah. if, you, or if you 
like owe money on them. So that's that's a huge way that that's what offsets your mortgage payment. Exactly. Yeah. And you're able to scale up through deferring your taxes and through financing. Like you're you're taking depreciation on all of this this huge value. Got a Taylor's dog is talking to. (laughs) Oh, they've they've heard him a lot. (laughs) Um, Yeah, you can use financing to scale up your operations and get you get the depreciation expense, the tax offset, um, but you don't technically like own it because you owe a bunch on it. So right, that makes sense. So it does make sense. It's a there's yeah there's a, a lot to to real estate investing i mean i guess the the basic sort of um the the, the way i explain it to people is say 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 we take the hundred thousand dollar thing you could get taxed on that you get forty thousand dollars you have six thousand dollars cash that'd be yours yeah you know that's that's awesome that's free money or free and clear money yeah that will not be taxed again most likely um or you can think about it and put it, you know, when we look at the land and hunting and farming perspective of it into something that you really, you get a lot of passion. You have a lot of passion. And you're already doing, like a lot of hunters are already doing it. They're hunting. They're yeah. out in the woods. They're hunting other people's plant. They're hunting public land. They're out hunting their uncle's land, whatever it is. It's always something you really enjoy doing. There is some type of financial benefit for it. Yeah, hunting, like if you just <clears> bought <throat> hunting land and you're using it to hunt, like that's not you don't get any tax benefit for right. other than the appreciation. But if you buy a piece of land that you farm and hunt on some of it, um, then you have a legitimate sort of, farm well, you don't operation. get any, okay. Hunt vacant land right now. Yeah. You don't get the, there is a lot more f- things you can do with like residential, having buildings on it, farms, whatever. Yeah. Um, but still let's think about it. if you have, say you're free and clear a hundred thousand, you put it into land, say it, it has been taxed. Yeah. That's money set. So oh, then yeah. the money you make off that land, the taxes that you will get hit on that are more advantageous to work through. Yeah, if, if you're renting instead of like out. Instead of if you were to take that 100000 and put it into the stock market, like you're going to get hit on every dime that you make on that, no matter what. The stock market is – they also – like stock market gains are also not subject to self-employment tax unless you're like a day trade or something. But um, so it, it's kind of like – Investment income in general is not subject to self-employment tax. So rental income is classified as investment income. And non-investment income like business operations is subject to self-employment tax. So I guess I wouldn't. Yeah, I guess it doesn't. The, if, I, if think the, the I think the market, thing like the stock market, <clears throat> it's the. Yeah, it's it, it really it's more of a lending thing that comes into play. Like it's more advantageous to lend money to acquire real estate because you can take that a hundred grand and turn it into, you know, you could buy a four hundred five hundred thousand yeah, dollar exactly. property, and then exactly. the profit from that could be, you know, two hundred and fifty grand. Exactly. That wasn't really your personal liability risk. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like with with versus you, when you invest a hundred thousand dollars cash, like that's all your you're investing in, like in the stock you know, market and you wouldn't take a no loan. No one's going to give you a loan for, for yeah. 400,000 to invest in the stock. Right. They're going to. So yeah, that's exactly it. Like you, you're able to get an asset of higher value and earn returns on an asset right. of higher value because you can use financing through real estate versus stock market. You're just whatever cash. I was have. trying to get to the point where I thought maybe I was thinking like how it's at, like just as more advantageous to put your cash into land versus uh, a stock. And it really, it just comes down to like performance. Yeah. It has no tax benefit. It comes down to like, like 
uh, ROI performance? Like, do you think your your uh, stock over twenty years increases? You know, yep. whatever. Exactly. And well, land the the benefit. And it's you know, it's not it? risky. It's, it's 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 it'd be like if you it, it'd be a good example if you were to go to a, a um, broker like a stock broker or like a financial advisor person. Yeah. You say, Hey, I like you, you, maybe people have parents or whatever people in their retirement, they take their retirement fund and say, Hey, I got 500,000 bucks here. Um, put it into some low risk shit. Yeah. Like I don't want to lose it. Yeah. That would be like, kind and of like, like let's be happy to gain 8% or something over a year. Yeah. It's like, well, That's put that in land. And you're getting better than 8% and, but well, people don't do that. Well, think about this. If say you have five hundred thousand dollars in cash that I could either put in the market, or I could do something else with. What if I bought? I only need to have twenty percent down. What if I bought a property worth two point five million? I finance two million. I have my five hundred thousand down. Then I'm earning eight point five percent. Assuming land goes up, I'm earning eight point five percent on two point five million. Yeah. Versus and your uh, interest yeah, rate's I, only three. Yeah, I have my interest rate and my so you're expenses, making five percent on you're, money that you're scaling, is just fake yeah, money. Exactly. Exactly. If if your interest rate and your expenses of that property are less than the appreciation or the income coming in, like that's you're 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 better off doing that. And that's when I talked about last episode where I was talking to a older gentleman who just sold land. And he was saying, well, back in the '80s, interest rates went up and land went down. That makes sense on why that happened. Because if interest rates go way up past the depreciation scale, then things will get out of whack. Yeah. If My argument to him was, well, the government's proven that it will not allow things like that to happen anymore. Yeah. I mean, interest rates used to be crazy high. I don't really understand. That was back like when there was like 16%. Yeah, for a mortgage. I don't. But houses was like was super cheap. Like still people could afford yeah, houses. Yeah, it's all relative. Um, and now houses are super expensive but it's really just about what you can what your monthly payment can be if your monthly payment if you can afford your monthly payment you can afford kind of the house and so that's how people um if, with, with interest rates being low like people can afford a higher monthly payment yep. and therefore a higher house value. Well, how, a higher value house yeah and it's a good spot to be because if interest rates are three percent you're lending on something that real estate increases way more than that you know over yep. time yeah so it's you're proven to you're, like, you're you're essentially it'd be like it's 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 like having more you know getting a loan for five hundred thousand and putting it into the stock market yep that it's has like an interest rate have, of three or five percent it's just you can't get that no you're taking money you don't have and making money on it in a pretty low like not very volatile or risky. no it's not yeah. risky like farmland especially like i think through even through like recessions and depressions farmland is pretty bit much been a steady like it's not it's not going to wow you with its return but it's consistent and yeah it's, it's not volatile yeah um, and then we talk about ways that you can increase the value of it and you know by the ways that you manage it and set it up it's just like it's just like remodeling a house yeah you know you can create a ton of value in places too yeah and yeah like having so like, a farm is a big way that land like because you have the farm business you can a lot of times create losses right but it's still what i'm saying is like it's a part of a market a free market so like i can set up i can cr do things on a property that would make it more valuable to a person who wants to buy it yeah exactly so like exactly. I, I can you can work with money that you know you'd be like yeah it'd be like saying in a stock market 
I can get that loan for 500000 I can put it in there, and I have some type of control over how the stock performs. Exactly. I mean, you, you're like the – you have the shareholder vote every year. Yeah. But yeah, you're – you yeah, can't go out and, like, right. make your property amazing and increase the value. Yeah, yeah. That, that's in your hands a lot more. Yeah, that's so like if you want – that's what – I think my argument where I was saying last episode was if you're if you're going to go out and hunt and work hard and do all that stuff on a weekly basis, like – Definitely. You might as well shove your money into some land, like yep. do it on some land that you're gonna get paid back on. Exactly. Yeah. It's a it's a real thing. I mean, it's just like, I mean, it, and I was saying it because people our age are f- so worried about they don't want to buy land, but it's like, dude, if you're putting money into the stock market, and if this is something you enjoy doing, I can show you how the returns are very similar. Yeah. Definitely. And you have way more control over it. It's it's more like the type of person you are. If you're like you said, like you are. Well, yeah, I'm you, like, risk tolerant, you know. Well, you're risk tolerant, but you've also, like, you want to improve your property that you bought. So you bought, if you're somebody who doesn't, if you're, like, a, a city boy like me who doesn't really. Yeah, I'm, but I'm, I'm speaking I'm, to the people yeah, who are, like, already every weekend. Exactly. It's their obsession. They're, like, exactly. they're walking miles on public land to, like, hunt. Yeah, and so you can buy your own plot and improve it over the years, yeah. however you do that. Um, and. And you're, you're you're better off because yeah, I'd like to get into some of your thoughts on how we do that. <laughs> that's not that's not my department. Yeah, you're just a tax man. <laughs> um, but yeah, you're you're improve you're increasing your return through your your through work. Yeah, you're not getting paid for the labor you're putting in, but that's it's increasing the value ultimately that you that you have in that land. So yeah, I, and the risk is low. Like that's the point. Like yep, it's right. literally like an opportunity for people to put set, sweat equity in something, and they're going. It's just you don't look at real estate like money in your bank account or stocks because it's not but because you can't it liquidate it instantly you yeah. know it's, it takes it's a process to yep. ever see that money but yeah i when you look at it through the lens of like actual just straight performance like you can do so much with real estate and taxes yeah, are one benefit but you know it really it's like we had a podcast with with a, a mortgage lender and commercial lender and it's like that is the understanding the tax benefits and then the lending side of it. That's where you can get ahead. Yep. And like like in general, real estate appreciates at a, a very great rate. And then you have the tax benefit on top of that. And then you have the, well, the uh, tax benefit drives the reason why it appreciates because people are motivated to create housing to create because of the because yeah. of the short term tax benefits. Yeah. It yeah. creates long term appreciation. Because there's motive, there's motivating things that the government puts into place in society. If you and like, what were you saying? I, I've never really thought of it like that. Like, there's things placed here. Like, if you do work, like we do have a, like a framework in this exactly, country that framework, if yeah. you want to work and do things, like you will be rewarded. Yep, yep. Like you just will, and you're rewarded for taking risks too. Like you just are. Yep, exactly. Yeah, it's very. Um, it's not a. It's not like a secret. The government's not trying to hide these tax yeah. implications from it, you. They want yes. like they want you to do something, and therefore you get. They rewarded. don't overtly like let you know about them. <laughs> they don't. Like, we're not getting taught it in school. No, it's not something. That's it's not part of normal growing up. And and hey, it, here's a. It's not like you want to be a doctor. Here's the things you got to do. Yeah. You want to be like an in real estate investor. That's not. We I don't mean, teach that, that. That's the whole problem with the curriculum in general. Oh, I know, but that's the government. <clears throat> So it's yeah. like it's set up because there's people in the like I I'm a little bit more like um critical probably of you where I in my opinion like 
I agree it's set up to you know help capitalism, but they don't exactly broadcast it. And there's definitely people it's set up like they know like it's a game that isn't necessarily always, you know, fair for everyone because because of knowledge. People don't get yeah. people don't aren't readily taught this stuff like math. Yeah, that's true. Um Yeah, I mean I, yeah, I don't disagree with that that point. I think if yeah, it it has to be something you're aware of to like seek out then and how it can be yeah. done. Cause, but there is like a very clear framework about sort of the advantages of real estate investing and how. Um, but it's not a quick, a get rich quick. It's a very much of a long term um, plan to. And it's uh, it's you know, it's the one thing when you add the residential side in and the other ways that you can make money with real estate. That's where people get like the there is an opportunity to have a you know sort of passive living passive income living yeah that's i think a huge draw of a lot of real estate and i look at it like if if i'm passive my if my passive way of living with income is i work you know 10 hours a day but i'm doing stuff on land is that you work love doing it's not work no <laughs> it's like, not like you'd be doing it anyway. it's saying like what like what is passive income you know or, or what is work like if, if it's yeah. if you're gonna go out regardless of if you make money if you want to go out and just look at your field and do do whatever you do out there yeah. every day. Like, I just you're look at it. I, I, I just take a look at Whether it. Whether it's Saturday or Sunday. No. You, you yeah, exactly. Weekend. You just like, like doing that. So no, my scheduled, my scheduled work day for the farm is Saturday or Sunday. It's a weekend activity. Yeah. I mean, like it's not, if it's not, if it doesn't feel like work, it's not work. Like it's what you want to be doing. Yeah. So. And you try to get to the point where you're doing that. Yeah. Full time. <laughs> and you're, you're getting, you're reaping the rewards either through crops or whatever, if you're a farmer through ultimate appreciation of your property and, um, improving it. And, um, and you know, so like when you get deeper into farming, like I kind of look at, I'd like to find the model where we essentially treat livestock, cows, pigs, sheep as a replacement of tenants in real estate. Like, cause I got really into like the duplexes and multifamily. I thought I was going to go heavy into that, Uh but I'm like, God, I just know I'm not going to like that. I know I'm going to hate that. A pig's going to, they're more predictable than but a, a cow. That, yeah, a cow and pigs. Like I'm friends with them. We hang out. Yeah, they taste awesome. You know, you get to feed other people. It's their toilet doesn't. That's break better than a. That's better than a resident. Yeah. And they can be depreciated at scales too, right? Kind of yeah. like, like if you buy a bunch of cows, you can. It's it's like buying an asset. You can take bonus yeah. depreciation of cows and stuff. But we won't get too deep in that. That's more of a conversation Gabe and I need to have off air. We'll get back to you. Um, yeah, that's that's an interesting book. I haven't, I haven't thought about. I that's like, my goal. I, I like that. I uh, haven't exactly found the no. The, I like that a lot. Equation, like, but you buy the land and your tenant is are is the, the animals. The animals. They're yeah. paying the rent through their whatever through selling them or feeding you and sustaining you and uh, same with your crops. Like your crops are your tenants too. They take yeah. Um, it's just unfortunate that it's not as simple math to the the problem with the real estate market is people aren't like there almost needs to be more advantages to raise animals because because people get uh, buy land not to raise animals on like the market goes way up so the cost to acquire a piece an acre and then your plan to pay for that acre would be to raise, you know, have animals, just like someone who would buy an uh, apartment. It, their the idea to pay go. for the apartment would, you know, obviously be the tenant. 
Yeah. The rent, like the market of animals, doesn't fluctuate with the market of the real like estate, the rent like rent and, and yeah, that's and stuff a really like good that point. Does. So that's the problem with it. That's um, a, I mean, that's kind of the problem with farming and a lot of, in general. Yeah. It's like it's like the tax the, prices, the tax savings doesn't even make up for the like the, the price like, of land is going up everywhere, but the price of but like the the sort of profitability of farming isn't changing that much. So like it's because yeah, because the market's stuck. You, the market's the market is like, with the you know it's gone it goes up, but it hasn't gone up the way with the, the real estate's amount. gone exactly. up. Exactly, and that's like the the acquisition of getting farmland to people who want to farm is a problem because they can't really it's a lot of times not profitable they're better off developing well, it or whatever yeah it's just like you when you look at it from a business perspective it makes but it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't add up yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't no it doesn't and that's why the government i think there needs to be more incentives for people to purchase there are some but more to, to like because for now we're because that's how we're stuck looking at what we're looking at. We're looking at acres, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of acres of, of conventional ag fields because there's big farmers who acquired piles and piles of land in the 80s and 90s for 200 bucks an acre. Yeah. And they can make they're making shitloads of money off it now. Yeah, yeah they're making because money, but like it, if I want to open a vegetable farm or like a small scale, yeah. like I can't make any money based on the price of land. You're in tough. It's going to be tough. You yeah. got to get creative. That's where the Airbnbs come in. That's where the, yeah, you know, it, yeah, it's it. Or there are other there needs like I think the almost the government needs to incentivize those types of it, it, yeah. Like you see the subsidies for farmers. Like we almost it almost needs to be like it just there's not a lot. There's, I don't know. It, it, I don't some, like saying the government should get involved. It's yeah. probably more of a oh, it's more that. of the conversation between me the farmer and you the consumer saying, "Hey, you're going to have to pay more for food." Like yeah. if, if the real estate isn't going to adjust, well then we just like you have to pay more for the food then. Yeah, or there needs to be And that somehow. and we had success doing that because you know, we what we sold stuff for this year was way more than normal farms yeah. may. Like it's way more than market price. So there is a model there, but unfortunately, it adds, that's multiple businesses that play there. Yeah, it yeah. isn't exactly like it's, it's not, not it's not the, it's not the apartment model where you go buy as many apartments and you just make sure the you math just, works out. You it's no you're going to work out because so, rent, rent increases with real estate versus right. Food and it's just food for the most part it works. You yeah. know, and it's it's <clears throat> that's why you don't see like people kind of a lot of people like to get into real estate because it's sort of it is a lot of work, but it's there's like a proven framework for well it. there's a there's a start and a stop and you, yeah and you know like rent and prices of properties are very much correlated whereas food and prices of land are not as much yes and so you but they should be they should be i agree it's an understanding like but would you go to your neighbor who's a farmer and say hey man we're gonna pay some more for food and we're gonna take it easy on on uh going to you know instead of eating out three nights a week we're going to eat out one yeah and we're going to put you know that extra money cuz it's not that the people don't under that don't they don't think that they can spend the money on that food because they go out and they'll spend they $25 for on a hamburger for yeah. a meal at a restaurant oh, it's, it's a great point so and it's like, like it's there you guys are you're paying for it but then, i'm not oh, saying it has to be your sole way of eating but it sure would be a good thing to have two nights a week yeah or it's it's and it's the awareness like when you're in the grocery store and you see like a gallon of milk for 199 versus a gallon of milk for 499 like 
there's Bo talking again. Yeah. Bo has something to say. Well, we've been trained to, you know, food prices. Like, we don't, we just go for the lowest thing. That's just a yeah. society sort of, but, and we don't think about what kind of consequences is hard because. Because I'll tell you from experience, the only way those fucking things are in that store at that price is because somebody was Substance. paying for something. And it's not, and most likely those operations aren't taking place on even the land. Yeah, it's, it's. Or they have so such we're a mis- large we're mis- scale operation that they're that's what able I'm saying. To, it's like, not taking place on the land; it's taking place in cement shops. Yeah, yeah. That just ha- take up an acre. Yeah. So, like, that's backwards, man. When they say like, pay your local farmer, like, if you want to have local farms, you don't want to be relying on large, huge farms to supply food to the entire world. Like, that's why you pay. That's why it's worth paying more because you're supporting somebody who is kind of I don't know. It's like well, it's, and you can prove that it's. Health, it's, you it's, could prove it's that it's healthier food. for you it's, too. It's yeah. Your neighbor, yeah, exactly. So it's a. That's, and that's going to be a, a bigger problem as we. That's but that's there's it, the, it, but I think it, it, it it's going it, to the market gets bigger too, for people willing to have that conversation. Yeah, because people are willing to have the conversation. It's true. Yeah. We had no problem selling all of our pigs this yeah, year. Yeah, that's true. That's good to hear. So it's 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 there. It's just unfortunately, you know, agricultural agriculture is created in a system where you don't have to interact with people if you don't want to because there's a thing called the markets and you if you grow something or you raise something there's a place to sell it yeah which is unlike most industries you yeah. know like if you're going to grow something or you're going to do something you can't just sell it without communication or like you got to sell it yeah you know whereas in farming there's a guaranteed there's sale a demand for it well yeah it's just you can take it in somewhere you have no control over the end price it's, it's all working through a market but you know you you know you can it. do it no matter what you don't yeah have to market it you don't do it yeah because it's it. such a big industry yeah so it's it's out of whack whereas if you have like a small farm like like marketing your small farm is kind of a huge thing like to, right to but get that's those that's prices. a whole other business so yeah. it's un it's like oh, yeah. it's almost unfair you know like oh for sure for the it's, guy like the guy who just wants to be left alone and farm oh, yeah. like let that guy farm there needs to be a solution instead of putting up a concrete you know monstrosity that's raising you know we're doing inhumane things and like weird things doing thing weird things to the ground totally if, if you're if you're like there's a difference between the guy over here who grows a thousand acres of corn and just takes it into the local mill and that's it he gets paid per price and somebody who's like who runs a farm they also need to market their farm it's like they're running a, a full-scale business which I think to a greater extent than somebody who's just kind of doing. Yeah. But I don't blame that guy. I that guy's just like, no. Hey bro, I just want to be, they were farming. Oh. They were farming perfectly fine exactly. when they were younger. I don't and like, blame him at all either. But that, and that's, <clears throat> but that's kind of why we, well, I mean, I do blame it. Like I, I'm not saying there's no blame to be tossed at the person. Like self responsibility is important, but, but not everyone's um, going to be a, want to be yeah. an entrepreneur. Like, right. Not everyone's going to want to be juggling like seven different things yeah, at once. Exactly. And not everyone wants to sit in like, Cause there's people you guys sit and talk to them like. But you are. So how did you raise that? How did you do that? And it's like. Yeah. I can see a lot of people like get the fuck off my land, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah. But uh, sure. to me, it's like let's. Sh- I mean, you know, I like to show people and what's going on, and I don't have a problem doing that. But it's not a fair model for everybody no, that wants a, to be a farmer. A, it takes a very like unique, a unique entrepreneurial type person to be able to farm and like be successful at it. I think because of. Because you're up against it with the price of land and how you have to be able to sell your products for a lot higher. But, you know, we also understand why the price of land is like that. So what are the things that are causing land to do that? Because there's people willing to buy things because they want them 
and it's beautiful, whatever the reasonings are, because they hunt, what whatever the emotional drive is to acquire yeah. the land. Um, so creating situations that you can make a profit on that by selling, by you know rehabbing land and, and making marketable things to those people. The problem with land is you get so emotionally attached to it, you don't ever want to sell it. So, <laughs> but if you were able to sell it, it is a real thing. It's just like yeah. flipping houses. I and I'm not speaking on experience because I don't know how I'm going to get to that point. <laughs> I'm not there yet. You love your land. I know it's it'd be tough. But the next one I say I'm buying, I have to buy and sell. Like and I, I have yeah, to. I don't know. This is. I believe you though. It, like you, you put so much of your sweat equity into this land. You don't want to. It's going to be hard. But I'm saying <laughs> that is the worst part. You're going to have like. But that would be one way to combat. I mean, that's like farm. Like farm, they don't want to sell their farm. That's like that's I know in their generation. Yeah, they're and I don't blame them. Like and but at some point. Because I'm trying to get to it's like, well, how do we treat, you know, acquiring land and regenerating the land similar to how people get excited about like buying and, you know, remodeling houses and selling them? Yeah. Because all this land needs to be remodeled. And the crazy thing is, if it gets remodeled and remarketed, there's ways for people to make money doing that. But you get so freaking attached to it that you never you never actually want to you never cash out. So you don't get to use the benefit of it. Whereas a house, you could just, it's, it's a different emotional connection. It's like, whatever. Yeah. So that's the, well, and that with is the house. The, like a lot of people, a lot of landlords don't even remodel. They just fucking like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Slumlords. Slum like let's, we'll, we'll see you just, as long as that thing, as that as roof's someone, still up. Yeah. As long as there's no like water flowing in. Or yeah. Whatever, it's fine. Oh yeah. That's work. a, um, that's, that's a really kind of interesting thought. Like all this land needs to be remodeled. How do we get people, how do we, how do we get people to start remodeling to it? it? Yeah. Like we've incentivized real estate. And unfortunately, like part of it's like you got to have, you know, there's some, op, there's some things, you know, you see like big time rotational grazers who, you know, they go out and get leased land. So people who acquired the land at that price are willing to rent, you know, an, per acre back to that person who's doing a regenerative farming method. Uh-huh. That person then can make a living doing that method, actually farming, he doesn't own all the land, but he controls land in a sense. And it's the same thing big, that's happening out here. Like but Farmers, like, they want to own the land. They don't want to be. Unfortunately, farming. the regenerative way, there's no subsidies. Yeah. Whereas a crop farmer can go rent an acre of land because they're subsidized. They're not going to lose. Yeah. They can't lose. Yeah. Whereas it's, it doesn't necessarily work like that. Plus, you aren't, you know, you aren't making as much. So you're, you almost, you're, there's an, there's the there's the conversation with the landowner. It's like, well, do you want your, your place remodeled? You do, but you don't make as much in the short term yeah. as just renting a crop field out. Yeah. Like there needs to be, once again, some give and take to understand where we are in current times, you know, and, but, and what we're looking at is not necessarily sustainable. So if you acquire yeah. land, I mean, you can rent it out and do that stuff, but we're not exactly moving things the yeah, correct direction exactly you know so it takes it takes that's why it's so exciting for me as a realtor because i get to see people who just have money yeah who just want to buy land to do, do that the right thing with which it. is awesome yeah that's that's i think and there's opportunity there's for hunters who who manage land it's opportunities for farmers who maybe were in a position that just want to farm but you have opportunity to, you know to lease up ground or even get paid to manage land there's those things because there's people with money who have that vision to rehab land, yeah. but someone else is going to have to do it. So then there's opportunity for other people who want to make a living doing that stuff. It's awesome. Yeah, you see you, tons of people like that now. That's pretty much the only, the only solutions that I see are like 
people coming to like a consciousness of the importance of it and like people with money investing in that type of thing regardless of if it's like the best return for their money and or like the government stepping in right like they've done with farmland in the past and like yeah assuming that, that that person the way they got wealthy they aren't reper they aren't repeating that yeah, by yeah. buying land like whatever the investment was that got them wealthy whether it was they started a business yeah. whether they made some big investments whatever it is they aren't doing exactly what they did to make to create generate that wealth yeah. again yeah. with everything yeah send 20 percent into land yeah. sweet whatever 20 percent into more high risk stuff whatever you want to diversify yourself i agree just like just how we plant a field diversity 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 just like how when you buy a piece of property diversity ends up winning in the end it just does. Now we're in a deep. We're out of tax stuff. Of tax Gabe stuff. and I are gonna catch up a little bit after this, so we'll let you I think we did we did over an hour, man. Not as long as those Rogan podcasts, but we're getting there. <laughs> All right, Gabe. Well we All do you right. wanna promote a I don't have anything to promote. Just we're, we're soon if you you know, soon we'll have Gabe <laughs> yeah. if you're interested in some tax stuff, Gabe yeah. will be able to You can reach out to Taylor, he'll reach out to me. I don't have anything to promote. I'm just a, a lowly tax accountant trying to trying to survive yeah well it's a good skill to have a lot of people are probably bored by this maybe but <laughs> <laughs> this is important things all right guys thank you